here we are for podcast number five already. Is it number five? Mm. Yeah, I think so. And it sounds like it's your turn. Do you, I feel like I'm always doing the introductions, Lou. Would you like to introduce us in the podcast tonight? Sure, happily. So I believe the date is the 26th of March. So yep. the last time we met, it was announced that we were in lockdown. So we were lucky because you'd come around before lockdown. So that was our last official night together. That's right. This is actually a few days later, isn't it? It's only about yep. three, four days later. It feels it feels weeks later. It does. Was that only Monday and it's now Thursday? Yeah. Blimey. We've been in lockdown for three days, officially. God, is that all? And it's, <laughs> honestly, it's been lovely. It's been uh, it's been a lovely few days. And tonight... Really? Well, yeah, it has been. <laughs> the sun's been shining, of course. Brit- oh, that's true. Britain gets quarantined and the sun shines. And we saw deer on... Was that Tuesday night and we saw those two deer... At the bottom of our street. Yeah, I mean, you... obviously, I say we, me and Chris, not you. Um, that was you nice. It's almost like nature out. is, yeah, nature's taking back the cities. That's great. Uh huh. And tonight, of course, was the clap for the NHS night. Oh, it was quite emotional, wasn't it? It was a good night, yeah. Yeah, so explain to those who might not know what that was about. Oh, so for anyone listening abroad, for all our, all of our international listeners, obviously. Um, <laughs> so many. <laughs> tonight and potentially every Thursday from now, people are supposed to come outside their front door and clap for the NHS. So clap for all the doctors and nurses working very hard to try and save people from the coronavirus. Yeah, and I really didn't think that many people would do it, to be honest. Um, and I was surprised just how much it was that almost like wartime community spirit feeling on people's doorsteps. And like, I had a proper tear. I, yeah, it was really sweet. And I think what was so nice about it was, of course, we're all supposedly stuck inside, not really seeing much of each yeah. other. So we all came outside our doors at the same time and you saw other people. And it felt so good <laughs> to actually see your neighbours and to see see humanity yes indeed without us all like shunning each other like you're five and a half feet away instead of the requisite six feet get away from me (laughs) there was that respectful british distance between us um but you know we we were clapping in solidarity yeah no it was a nice thing so yeah 26th of march a thursday and we've decided that we should take advantage and do more episodes than we might otherwise have done absolutely because we're indoors um, we're not working as much as we probably were. Yeah. So why not do podcasts about women? Yeah. Oh, and I'm Caroline and you're Louise. That's right. <laughs> Thank you for reminding our <laughs> listeners of that. <laughs> oh, actually, before we get into it, do you mind if I just say the website's up and running? And I would love it if people would email us with suggestions for people, especially because I've been researching this week and kind of struggling To find someone that isn't just like rich, white, you know, in a position of having the leisure to have done something interesting. And I know that that is not everybody. And I found a few people, but I feel like I've had to try weirdly hard to not just find rich white women from English Western, really, history. So if anyone's got anyone that doesn't fit in that really obvious pigeonhole i would love to hear from you guys so do email us podcast at the wife wife being spelled w-y-f of course i mean it's so interesting you said that caroline because this book that i'm actually going to be taking some of my women from is by a writer called Mackenzie lee 
Okay. And she said that when she started researching a lot of these women, her issue was that most of these women, like you say, are white, yeah. rich, privileged. You know, they've had opportunities that people who are outside of, you know, that that paradigm just never had. Well, that those people just don't get talked about all that much. But they obviously do exist. It's just hard to kind of dig them up, isn't it, in historical texts? Yeah. Okay. So, so obviously it's your turn this evening. Do you want to get into it, or do you have anything else that you would like? No. To let's add? just dive right in. And excellent. You know, to add, I'm going to try and talk about three women today because they're all Great. very historical. So we don't know an awful lot about them. Okay. In terms of the character, you know, some of the things we've been talking about recently about what we thought their personalities were like and their yeah. mums and dads and. Um, we just don't really have those details. So there's not necessarily a whole lot to talk about them, which is why okay. I'm going to try and cover three. We get a hat trick. I love yeah. it. Yeah. And none of these women are white, rich British Yay. people. Well done. <laughs> they might have been rich. But yeah, we'll get into it. Great. So we'll start with a Chinese woman. Oh, wonderful. So Caroline, have you heard of Empress? And this is where... I'm going to show the fact that my Chinese pronunciation is not very good. But have you heard of Empress Shi Lingxue? Definitely not, I'm afraid. My Chinese history is weak at best, so I'm keen to learn. Okay, I got really excited when I discovered this woman to talk about with you for two reasons. So we both have an interest in her life and, and who she was connected to. So the reason that I've got this connection is because she was the teenage bride of Emperor Huangdi, or otherwise known as the Yellow Emperor. Do you know who he is, Caroline? No, Louise, but I've got a horrible feeling that I really should from the way you're talking. Go on, enlighten me. So, you know, you probably wouldn't, but anyone who does a Chinese medicine degree, like I have, ah. everyone knows about the Yellow Emperor because there's this text which is uh, connected to him called The Yellow Emperor's Inner Classic the Huangdi Neijing. And that is the most important ancient text in Chinese medicine. Wow. And as well, it, it's a major book of Taoist theory and lifestyle. So in my first year, my Chinese medicine degree, the Yellow Emperor is always talked about and always referenced. And you always have to talk about him in essays that you write. So of course, I know this dude quite well. Or at least I know of, you know, I know his name quite well. So we're talking about his teenage bride, did you say? His teenage bride, yeah. Okay. A little bit dodgy, but I guess they all did marry young back then, didn't they? It was they? a different time, so they say. <laughs> so she's an empress. So we're talking about 2700 um, BC. Wow. Or I think as the Americans call it, BCE. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. But in Britain, it's definitely BC. So this is how the story goes. She was sitting in her garden underneath a mulberry tree, drinking a cup of tea. I mean, she's Chinese and she's an empress, so of course that's what she was doing. Suddenly, a cocooned bug drops from the mulberry tree into her cup. A cocooned bug? A cocooned bug. Okay. So there's this little bug living in the mulberry tree drops down into her cup. It's cocooned. So you might see where this is going. Okay. So, and the writer, where I, I got this story from, Mackenzie Lee says, at this point, she defied feminine stereotypes. She did not freak out. No. Yay. <laughs> she digs it right out of her tea and she looks at it long and hard. 
Now the heat of the tea had begun to separate the filament of the cocoon and she began to unravel it. Okay. And I'm actually going to read from uh, Ms. Lee at this point because she can just put it so much better than me. Okay, before you do that, what's my reaction meant to be at this point? Because honestly, I'm finding this a bit strange. (laughs) Is that normal? (laughs) I think so. I think you're going to love where this goes. Okay, cool. Okay. So from that one small cocoon came yards and yards and yards of bright, strong filament, encasing one of the tiny worms that had been making an all-you-can-eat buffet out of the leaves of the mulberry trees in the royal garden. And that was when she had a thought. Shi Lingxia approached her emperor husband and asked him if he would indulge a crazy idea she had. Instead of getting rid of the worms that had been ravaging their mulberry trees, she wanted to plant more trees for these worms to chow down on, then unfurl their little cocoons and make cloth from these fine fibres. Being an innovator himself, the emperor was super on board. Shi Lingxia discovered silk filaments, becoming the world's first sericulturist, which is raw silk manufacturer and the inventor of silk looms. She studied silkworms, fed them different foods in experimentation and discovered that a diet of mulberry leaves produced the best silk. So, um, for our listeners, just to let you know, Caroline is an avid seamstress. <laughs> she is amazing when it comes to fabrics. So I thought she would be pretty excited by this story. Yeah, I, I am. I mean, you know, it, there's so many things going through my head. So it's one of those, like, who was the first person to think of that? There's so many times when I come across something, I'm like, I don't know, who was the first person that thought it was like a good idea to... And this is a, a classic example, a, a silkworm. You're going to actually take that little bug and you're going to pull at it and uh-huh. then you're going to make fabric from it. I mean, that exactly. is a huge jump. I mean, that's almost, that's like quite advanced, almost biology, isn't it? I guess. Massively. At the time. And it gets better. So not only has she unthreaded it and had a good look at it and thought, hmm, you know, maybe... Yeah, maybe we could experiment with cloth. Obviously, she then experimented what, with what they fed the bugs to see what was the best silk that they could get. That's proper science, this then, isn't it? Yeah. And she then assembled a squad of women in her court and taught them to weave the cocoons into a super fine, beautiful cloth. The cloth silk they squad. produced... Yeah, the silk squad. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> the cloth they produced secured a Chinese monopoly that lasted for thousands of years on what the ancient world collectively agreed was the most amazing fabric ever, silk. Mm, yeah, I mean, it is incredible fabric, isn't it? Massively. It, wow. A, a stunning fabric. Um, so she has actually got, she's a Chinese deity. Really? She is. Uh, she's called Silkworm Mother. Or oh, nice. Kan Nene. Yeah, Kan Nene, I think, is is how you might write so it. Is, I mean, I don't know much about how Chinese deities work but is it like basically the equivalent as of have of uh, Catholics having saints it's a bit like that I think so okay. she's revered you know she's absolutely revered in mm-hmm. in China but but she really was a real person it's not like um she's a made up you know like sometimes they used to make up stories about how the sun would rise in the sky from chariots and stuff not in Chinese but you know what I mean it's like that we have a silkworm so we make up the story this was a real woman I think it definitely, particularly because she's connected wow. to uh, 
you know, the the Yellow Emperor. They were yeah. like the, the power couple of the 2700s BC. Brilliant. So really, that's that's pretty much what I could glean about Schillingshire. That we don't know much about her. Yeah. You know, her sex life, her fantasies, <laughs> her <Okay>. mum and dad. <laughs> Uh, I love that you went straight there. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> How many children she had? Was she a family? You know, we don't really know these things, but she no. was badass. And actually, I also have to tell you that this book is called Bygone Badass Broads. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's a great title. It is. And we've got to thank Mackenzie Lee for everything I'm telling you in this podcast tonight. Awesome. I'm just making sure that I, I give credit where credit is due. Wow. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Um, I would like a silk squad, please. And I would like <laughs> I would like some silkworms and I would like for my own silk to be made because silk really is an amazing fabric. It's really warm, weirdly warm, I think. Have you ever had silk pyjamas? Uh, no, I've, I've been intending to get a silk pillow. Oh, yeah. A pillowcase. Apparently, uh, it's the finest thing to sleep on. Check you out. And here's me thinking that my, uh, you know, 300-count Egyptian poly cotton from uh, I don't know Tesco is is posh <laughs> I mean I I think silk pisses on Egyptian cotton sorry Egypt <laughs> oh, amazing great oh, re- remind us what her name was I know the pronunciation is difficult but just would you remind us yeah so Sheeling Shirt Sheeling Shirt yeah I think yeah, well, I'll I'll give you the spelling um X-I-L-I-N-G S-H-I okay Excellent. And I don't suppose we have any sort of depiction or a drawing or anything like that that we can share on our um, website for because it's so long ago. It's unlikely, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's probably all, you know, how you want to interpret it. Yeah. Okay. So I bet there's lots of drawings of her as people want to imagine her. Yeah. Great. Okay. So moving on, we're going to go from ancient China to ancient Greece. Oh. And we're going to move into the fourth century BC now. So, Caroline, have you heard of... Now, again, my pronunciation might sound Italian or Spanish. I'm not quite sure. Probably not going to sound Greek at all. But have you heard of Agnodice? Definitely not. Definitely not. And the Italian <laughs> okay. might be more like Ag- Agnodice. Okay, no. And I really I really should have asked my friend Vicky how to pronounce her name. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I did actually text Vicky and ask her, because I assumed that... You know, I was like, oh, this this woman sounds pretty interesting. And so I texted Vicky and said, did you study her at school? Because we all study ancient figures at school, don't we? <laughs> yeah, but not so much women, have you noticed? Oh, well, exactly. That's probably why, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Vicky's response to me when I asked her, have you studied her? She, she said no. Um, mm. But she gave me a few kind of tips on her what her name means in Greek. So actually, why don't I read those to you first before we jump right into talking about her. So she says, I've never heard of her. The first part of her name means pure from the Greek adjective agnos, agni, agno. And the second part of her name is the noun uh, dice, which means trial. So pure or fair trial. So we'll get into Mm. why that might be her name. Okay. Do you think this was a name that she was dubbed after her life like yeah, a nickname so i have a feeling okay. about this woman that she might not have actually existed so she's very famous <laughs> in in greek history okay. but i think she might be might be more a symbol 
Okay, a legend rather than a... So yeah. apparently okay. it is almost impossible to verify whether the story of Agnodice is fact or fiction. Her life comes to us through a combination of oral tradition and a written account by Gaius Julius Hyginus, a Latin author from the first century CE. But either way, it's one of the favourite legends of the medical community. So that's just giving away a bit of why she's okay. famous. Okay, so she was a woman with a mission. From an early age, she knew she wanted to be a doctor and she knew she wanted to help women. As a teenager, she moved to Alexandria, Egypt, where women were allowed to practice medicine. Ah. And she studied, yeah, she studied until she could deliver a baby with one hand tied behind her back, but she did not do this. <laughs> Because she was a good doctor. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't, would you? <laughs> Just because you can doesn't mean you should. So once she was qualified, she cut her hair and moved back to Greece disguised as a man, determined to save the lives of women as Athens' first female gynaecologist. Ah. But obviously no one knew she was female yet. The first of many in that tradition, actually. There's quite a few interesting stories over the centuries of, of women doing things like that aren't there so i wonder if she was the very first the trailblazer the trailblazer yeah yeah so she quickly ran into a problem with her business model in spite of not being allowed to be doctors only women were allowed to aid with birthing and midwifery in ancient greece yeah when she would approach a woman in labor and offer to help make sure the birth went well she'd be thrown out because she was a man <laughs> Or rather, she was dressed like one. Yes. So she used the best very vacation of her gender she could think of. She'd flash the pregnant mother a view of, shall we say, her womanhood. No. Oh, no. <laughs> well, it's effective. That's it. Well, a good it method. got her the job, usually. Yeah. <laughs> but then the problem started because the male physicians of Athens were, were soon pretty jealous because obviously all the female patients uh, were abandoning them to seek the care of, you know, this new kid on the block. And they were pretty suspicious. So they they basically accused her of seducing all of these patients. Oh, I see. Yeah, you can't just be a good doctor. Exactly. You must be having sex with them. Yeah, of course. Exactly. <laughs> so then, um, so she was put on trial. And at that point, she then had to reveal her gender. Okay. You know, and say, well, I'm not seducing them. I'm, I'm a woman. You know, that's why I'm getting all the work, guys. And so, of course, at that point, they're like, oh, right. Well, you're not allowed to practice medicine because you're a woman. Yep. So mm -hmm. we are going to execute you. How dare you? How dare you oh, practice no. medicine? So it was looking quite grim. But um, a surprise witness showed up, as in a whole fleet of witnesses showed up. All the women that she treated, ready to raise a militant defence for their lady gynaecologist. Oh, that is so lovely. Yep, she was acquitted and allowed to continue practicing medicine. Really? No flashing required. You see, this is that's the only part where I it makes me think that maybe the story isn't completely true. Yeah. Um, if 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 she'd been executed Joan of Arc style, then I would have believed that she was real, but just because she got away with it in the story makes me suspect. Don't you think? Yeah, women never get away with these things, do right. they? No, <laughs> sadly not in those times anyway. What was it, 200 BC, did he say? It was four. Four. Uh, third century, third century CE. 
BCE. So, yeah, we know that there's there's no happy ending for women. I was going to say until the, you know, 21st century. But even then, I don't think there's there's that much of a happy ending for a lot of women. So, uh, wow. Well, just out of interest, I mean, it may not you may not have found this out from the book, but what would the mode of execution have been for a crime like that? Was it cruel and unusual or was it just a, you know, stab through the heart quick? I do not know? know. Should we have a no. look? Okay. Do you think it will tell you? I can't. I don't know much about ancient Greek uh, <laughs> customs and these sorts of things, but it's just interesting, isn't it? Just the Joan of Arc thing when I mentioned it there just made me think. I mean, that is a pretty, you know, being burned at the stake is that's such a violent end to come to, and I just wondered whether this was a similar. I wonder thing. if they just threw them to the gladiator in you know that kind of gladiator type uh, situation. That was more Rome, wasn't that wasn't more it? the Romans? Uh-huh. <laughs> I feel bad now for asking. I wanted the gory details. No, let's skip past it. And if anybody actually cares and is um, as bloody-minded as I am, well, gory-minded as I am, and you want to look it up, let us know. Right, is, right in. Right in. Yeah, tell us all the different <laughs> yeah. ways that ancient Greeks... Maybe my friend Vicky would know, you know? Maybe we'll get uh, Vicky on the case from, again. From these same history lessons where she was learning about this uh, female gynecologist, probably. <laughs> Uh, fab um, and what was her name again well if we're going to make it sound a bit Italian it's like Agnodice Dice that's right uh, yeah. or Agnodice okay I should have got uh, an official Greek to uh, to come on tonight and uh, pronounce it for us right so the first one I'm going to try and remember these was like Shi Ling Shi almost yeah Shi Ling Shi Shi Ling Shi and this was Agnodice yeah I, l- I like it that way. It sounds good. Learning tons. This is great. So the the third and final woman or women I'm going to talk about tonight are from Vietnam. Mm, okay. So we're talking like 12 to 43 CE. So I guess actually we're, we're just into the, uh, the time after Christ was born. So it's actually two women, these sisters, and they are known as liberators of Vietnam. Oh, wow. I mean, Vietnam history is not something I know much about, but if I know anything about it, it's more modern history. So, yeah, can't wait. I'm going to credit once again Mackenzie Lee. She summarizes this so well that when I tried to do it, I thought, this is not a patch on Ms. Lee. So in this instance, I'm, I'm just going to summarize. So here's an incredibly simplified overview of the political situation of what is today Vietnam. In the early days of the Common Era, Vietnam was under the control of the Chinese Han Dynasty. The Chinese had overthrown the Vietnamese government in 111 BCE and annexed the entire country. The Vietnamese people suffered as their culture was stifled, their leaders overthrown and their lives disrupted by the tyrannical laws of their new foreign overlords. So this is the world into which Trung Trac and Trung Ni were born, I have no idea if that's how we pronounce them. Okay. <laughs> okay. Trung Trac and Trung Ni. We'll just go with that as the pronunciation. Yeah, sounds good to me. In the province of modern day Mi Lin. They were the daughters of a Vietnamese lord and grew up educated in both books and war. You see, once again, whilst they're not white, they're still uh, rich and educated, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. So it's it's maybe a running theme internationally. Well, it has to be. I mean, it's one of those things. It's difficult to achieve something 
interesting, certainly great, if you don't have the money and the support system around you to do so, regardless of your gender, I suppose. And sometimes I guess the ability to lead people and educate people means that you've had to have had some foundations in education yeah, yourself. Exactly that. So neither Trung Trak nor her husband, Tisak, again, I don't know if that's how we pronounce his name, were into the whole oppressive Chinese rule thing, especially when a new Chinese governor took over their province and started taxing necessities, like salt mm. and fishing in the rivers, until he had squeezed every last drop out of the insolent Vietnamese peasants. <sighs> Sounds about right. Tampon tax, I bet, yeah, yeah. all that. Uh-huh. <laughs> But I like the sound of her husband. He was obviously a rebel as well. Yeah. So Trung Trak and Tisak started plotting. What if they mobilised the aristocracy and fought for independence against all of China? What if they won and then re-established a new Vietnamese government? Mm. So big dreams. Yeah, big plotting there. And, and probably treasonous uh, probably they would have been executed just for thinking it right well you've hit the nail on the spot there caroline ah. because t-sack had a bad habit of running his mouth about how aggressively <sighs> unhappy he was and how great it would be if someone drop kicked the chinese out of vietnam <laughs> the chinese took notice of his vocal opposition and had him executed oh, huh? for these treasonous thoughts <clears throat> his body was hung from the city gates as a warning to other would-be rebels that their Chinese despots were not to be messed with. Oh, no. They assumed that having disposed of the most vocal opposition to their rule, their continual micromanagement of Vietnam was guaranteed. Wrong suckers, said Track, because I'm still here. Good for her. Or how, however she might have expressed it in um, old Vietnamese. So she picked... Can you imagine that? No, but, but I just, just want to take a second just to... Let's stop, yeah. Imagine... Imagine having your husband, who you're on the same page with, you know, everything's fine at home as far as we know, and just the next day, just because idle talk costs lives, there he is strung up, dead. For everyone to see. Imagine how brave you must be to think, okay, he was killed for that, but I'm not going to stop. To come back from that, or maybe it propelled her, actually. Maybe that rage from this thing, which some people do sort of convert grief into rage and maybe it actually drove her that bit more awful though imagine loving your country so much that you are prepared to fight to the death for it i mean i think this is what maybe Mm. a lot of the historical women like joan of arc were doing right either your Mm. country or your religion which we just don't really we don't really get now do we in this modern era where everyone just lives for themselves really well, I've got to be honest, I'm not really prepared to get on a horse with a sword for anyone at this point, no. <laughs> Maybe wine? If the government Fight was for wine. Yeah, if the government mm. was was telling you they were going to take away all alcohol and access to yeah. alcohol. Uh, I mean, it's a timely comment, Louise, total sidebar, but under these coronavirus times, um, I am seriously panicking about the wine situation. I keep seeing photographs, people going to the supermarket, and there is nothing but top-shelf red wine, which is no good for me. Um, I mean, middle-class problems to have, I get that, but wine? What if there's not going to be any more wine well, for the rest of when do- <laughs> when we Dodge was in podcast? the uh, When Dodge was in the supermarket <laughs> the other day, he was told he was only allowed... Uh, w- two things or three things of you know each item but when it came to the alcohol the woman said don't worry there's no limits on that buy as much as you want 
Well, that's why everybody stockpiled it, and now there's none left on the shelves. I mean, it's fine. I bought two boxes. We're all right. <laughs> 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 but, I mean, that's only going to last, what, two episodes? <laughs> anyway, enough about wine, and how about um Should we get revolution? back to Trung, Trung Track? Yeah. What's she going to do now? So, she picks up where her husband left off, and she even had a fearless second-in-command, just as she had been to Tisak. Her sister, Ni. Oh. So the Trung sisters began gathering what they probably thought would be a small people's army, limited mostly to residents of their village. But their call to arms went viral. Coronaviral. And suddenly <laughs> they had 65 cities and 80,000 soldiers volunteering to take up arms against the Chinese. Wow. And looking to the Trung sisters for leadership. Oh, my word. And is this definitely a true story? I mean, yeah. this is amazing. Wow. Apparently, the, the Trung sisters have inspired centuries of independence fighters. And today they are hailed as the first liberators of Vietnam in stories, poems, plays, shrines, temples, monuments, annual wow. celebrations, even postage stamps. Okay, so they really are celebrated and remembered as the founding sisters of Vietnam then? Yeah. Well, they tried wow. to found it. Okay, I'll, I'll let you finish the story, yeah. So neither of the sisters had formal military training, but Ni was a fighter and Track was a politician, and they were both fucking fearless. The, <laughs> the Trung sisters chose 36 women from their volunteer ranks, including their mother, and trained them to be generals. These ladies nice. then led 80,000 soldiers against the Chinese, with Track and Ni who possibly rode elephants. History is a little fuzzy on that one. Okay. <laughs> leading the charge. And those 80,000 soldiers kicked the Chinese army out of Vietnam. Boom. Yes. After Amazing. their victory, the people proclaimed Trung Trac to be their ruler. They renamed her Trung Vrong or Shi King Trung. With Ni still in place as badass number two, Track established her royal court in the sisters' hometown of Milan, an ancient political centre in the Hong River Plain. She immediately threw out all the Sheriff of Nottingham-style taxes imposed by the Chinese and restored a traditional Vietnamese government. However, oh. if you're hoping for a happy ending, well, I stop reading here. Oh. Well, what do we know about women, Caroline? No happy endings for us. Absolutely. <laughs> uh. After two years of awesome leadership by the People's Queens, the Chinese came back like a bad flu, coronavirus. <laughs> this time with a massive army meant to take Vietnam back from the trunks. Yeah, because this time they're really pissed off. This is, this is not just diehard. This is diehard with a vengeance at this point. They right? are seriously hacked off. They're like, hang yeah, on. They are. Hang on. Not only were we kicked out of Vietnam, we were kicked out by women. Girls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We... Ugh. They are seriously <laughs> pissed off at this point. Yeah, yeah they are. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. But did they surrender without a fight? No. Hell no. Yeah. <laughs> For the next three years, the Trung sisters became warrior tornadoes of justice. Yes, wait. Fighting back. Wait. Yeah. Warrior tornadoes of justice. Yes. I I don't play sport of any kind, but if I did, that's the team name that I want. <laughs> maybe we need t-shirts called Warrior Tornadoes of Justice. And maybe we need yes. to change our whole podcast name to Warrior yes. Tornadoes of Justice. Well, 
No, I think we'll go a little. How about matching tattoos? <laughs> or the wife who? But what's the what's the thing that's underneath the main title, like a subtitle, like Warrior yeah, Tornadoes could, yeah. of Justice? Mm-hmm. Yep, tagline. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mackenzie Love Lee, it. that is that is an awesome tagline. <laughs> that's ace. <laughs> and these um. Warrior Tornadoes of Justice were fighting back against China's attempts to reclaim Vietnam, but they were untrained and outnumbered. And as a result, Vietnam fell back into the hands of the Han Dynasty in 43 CE. Yeah, that was a good two years, though, eh, girls? It was a great time of it. I mean, they, <laughs> they really were remembered for it. So with the Han army breathing down their necks, the Trung sisters committed suicide by drowning themselves. Oh, no. Their final oh. act of defiance was refusing to die by the hands of the Chinese. Well, I guess I can see that, but... Mm. Queens, oh, right? That's how it. That's not how it ends. Surely, do they come yeah. back from the dead or something? Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe we can write their their next part of the sto- the next part yeah. of the story. The alternative ending: the tornado, yeah. the, the resurrected tornado, warrior tornadoes of justice. Of justice. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! Wait. So, and then the Chinese had Vietnam back for like ages. I assume. I think as so, well. and I don't mm. know the modern history of Vietnam of when it, it, it became Vietnam again from the Chinese. Oh, neither do I. That's interesting, huh? I've never thought about that before. That is a great story. I love it. I love yeah, that one. That was Trung, my favourite. The Trung Sisters, that is a really cool bit of history that yeah, it is. I mm-hmm. never knew about. Wow. So I that's my that hat trick. still known. Yeah, it was a great hat trick. Which one's your favourite? So I obviously I love Shiling Shu for that connection to the Yellow yes. Emperor. But yeah. I think I love the uh, the warrior. I mean, of an Agnadise, which is the you know the history of yeah. like the female gynaecologist. And in, yeah. from a Chinese medicine point of view, I'm a gynaecologist, so I loved her as well. You know, I was reading her story. I was like, oh, I love this woman. And yeah. then I get to the Trung sisters. I think I just love the the warrior tornado of justice part of the the trunk sisters yeah me too i think that was obvious yeah i thought they were all really great it's it's a shame that we don't necessarily think the second one was real i know although i bet i bet she's more of like a legend like with some truth in it rather than maybe the whole truth there was yeah there was maybe some part of the story that was true that was then elaborated on yeah to be a symbol of women in medicine thank you so much i feel really spoiled having three in one go you're welcome as well so thank you for that and can we just recredit the author what was her name yeah so mackenzie lee and this amazing book is called bygone badass broads and this uh this writer she also wrote about your favorite lady margaret cavendish she's in there She? she did that's so funny, actually, because in this last week when I've been researching, I've been coming across a handful of articles about Margaret Cavendish. So she obviously is known and is out there. It's just the ignorant masses like us that <laughs> hasn't well, yeah, quite this filtered is, out to yet. This is an American writer, so she knows about uh, Margaret Cavendish. I love that every every episode we seem to reference back to one or more of the ones we've already done. There seems to be some sort of link every time, doesn't there? It's really cool. A running theme between them. Yeah. Uh, Mackenzie Lee, if you're listening, which hopefully you will one day if we send you this podcast, <laughs> uh, thank you for writing this awesome book and we will try yes. and share it 
with as many people as possible to encourage them to buy it. Absolutely. Um, I'm sure. Did you find it on Kindle? No. So this is a, a great way I found it. So my neighbour, uh, Diane, uh, next door, she mm-hmm. is uh, a 70 something badass broad, I reckon, don't yeah. you think? She's punk. She yeah. is seriously punk. She's so badass. <laughs> and she uh, took a photograph of this book and put it on Facebook and she said she'd bought it for her friend Kath. So I looked at the title and I was like, whoa, stop. Bygone Badass Broads, that sounds like our podcast. So thanks to Diane, I bought this book. So you never would have actually come across it if it wasn't for a badass woman. Exactly. It was a badass broad that showed me this badass broad book. A perfect way to discover. And hopefully because of this episode, other badass broads out there listening will also want to read the book. So thank you. And thank you, Mackenzie Lee. Great. I mean, we still haven't actually launched this podcast at the point of recording episode number five. But when we do, I hope that anyone that's listening will do the appropriate, whether it's a thumbs up or a leave a review or whatever that thing is that you're supposed to do. We don't know what that is yet because we haven't actually put this podcast out anywhere. So we, we don't know if out. we're going to get thumbs up <laughs> or if we're just going to get trolled. Yeah. So if you could do something like that or in some way interact with us, that would be great just to let us know that we actually have listeners. And I would be super touched, wouldn't you? If just to hear from even one person that they have actually... That wasn't Chris or Dodge. Yeah, that's true. I mean, obviously we love Chris and Dodge, but they kind of have to listen. So (laughs) it's enforced (laughs) listening for them. It would be really nice um, to know that someone else listens because I'm having a great time. Are you enjoying this podcast? Yeah, I'm learning so much. Yeah, me too. I really hope that... Uh, other people also enjoy and are able to learn things too so thank you very much everyone and we can't do a drinks clink like we normally would because we're not near each other we're not in the same room (laughs) together (laughs) but i'm gonna take a big gulp of wine in like five seconds time so shall we just say goodbye and see you soon (laughs) thank you cheers good night cheers